Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Time now for New Hope Radio on AM 1100 KFAX. This program is the radio ministry of New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, a place of healing and restoration. Now here's today's message of hope. Praise the Lord. Well, if you want, if you can, just turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And uh, I'm going to read now the NLT. We should have the words up on the screen as we read along today. But we're going to be studying a little bit about Peter today. And here's a trip, you guys. Here's, here's a trip. I'll just share with you. So this morning I get, I, I get here to church and Pastor Raul's here preparing and he's over ministering right now in Fremont. And, you know, I say, Pastor Raul, what are you, what are you speaking on today? He said, I'm, I'm speaking on Peter. I'm like, what? I'm like, what about Peter? Peter's denial and his restoration. I was like, praise God. That's exactly what I'm speaking about today. So it's no coincidence, you guys. Check this out. The last time that I spoke, a few weeks ago, I spoke on the woman with the issue of blood. Guess what? Pastor Tim was ministering somewhere in another city. He spoke on the exact same thing. We didn't even talk about it. So, so we're united, family. We're a family. And this is confirmation that the Lord has a word for his church, for us today. Amen. So we're going to talk about Peter. and We're going to look at his denial and how he denied Jesus three times. And then we're going to look at something that I want to share with you today. Because when I read these two words that we're going to look at just in, a, just in a few minutes here, this whole story just exploded in my mind. And there was just so much revelation. And I'm so excited to share what the Lord showed me with you today. So the title of my message, let's give it to you right now. It's this, From Denial to Destiny. Denial to Destiny. So let's look at Luke chapter 22, starting with verse 54 through 62. And just to give you a little bit of, Beaver, if we can, if we can shut that air down now, it's, it's blowing pretty good up here. If we could shut it down, that'd be great. Um, my, everything's going to be blowing all over the place. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. So, so where we're at right here is they were just in the garden. Jesus was just betrayed by Judas. Peter uh, out of all people, Peter pulls out a sword and cuts some dude's ears off, right? And Jesus has to take it and, and heal the guard's ear. And then this is where we're reading right here where the story picks up in Luke 22, verse 54. It says this, so they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guard's lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus's followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. 
About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, and I, I, I love the way that they word this here because Peter sounds like me when I talk. He said, Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So I want to ask this question today. How is it? How is it that the 12 that were so close to Jesus, that spent so much time with Jesus, that literally saw Jesus do miracle upon miracle upon miracle, that saw Jesus raise people from the dead in the moment when they should have stood the strongest, they abandoned him. They deserted him. And the one of them that was supposedly the strongest of them all denied that he even knew him. How is that? How is that? And I want to look at this story. And I want to pull out three points today. So if you're taking notes, there's three main points that I want to just pull out of what we just read. That I really believe there's a correlation to us sometimes. Because how many know, maybe, maybe we don't necessarily deny Jesus with our words. But we've denied him with our actions. Or our lack thereof. So let's look at the story again and let's pull out three truths. Right away in, in, in verse 54, it says, so they arrested him. They led him out of the high priest's home. And it says this, and Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. The first point I want to make is that he followed Jesus at a distance. And really to me, this, this speaks to intimacy and this speaks to this. Are we prioritizing his presence in our life? See, see, G, see Peter was emboldened in the presence of Jesus. And the moment that he was distant from Jesus, everything begins to unravel. Everything begins to unravel when you are distant from God. How many can attest to that? Come on, we've gone through different seasons in our life, right? Let's just be honest. I've been there before. I'm in a great season right now. I mean, I'm, this is the, the greatest season of my life because I prioritize God's presence in my life, you guys. I've been speaking about this. To me, it's abide or die. That's how I treat it. This word is not something that I can just open on occasion. This word is something that I have to be in daily. I have to be before him daily in his presence. It's abide or die. Because the moment that we get distant from him is the moment that everything starts to go haywire in our life. And we can go from this place of being bold for Jesus. Jesus, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'm making this promise. And then because we haven't prioritized his presence in our life, all of a sudden we're in a place of denial in our life. So the first point I want to make is that Peter, he followed him at a distance. Now let's look at this in Matthew. 
In Matthew 26, I'm just going to turn there really quick. Matthew 26, verse 30 through 35. Okay? So this is, this is a little bit before Jesus now is about to predict to Peter that he's about to deny him. And literally where we're about to read, this takes place right when they're in the upper room at the last supper. They just broke bread together. And Jesus tells them what, what's about to happen. He tells them straight up. And he tells, you know, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. This is, this is my, my blood that's poured out for you, right? And then this is where it says in verse 30, Matthew 26, verse 30. It says, then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And on the, we, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Listen to Peter's response. No. Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. They were emboldened in the presence of God. They were emboldened. And to me, this almost is a picture of church on Sundays, right? It says they're, they're all together together. In the presence of God, they're singing songs, right? They're singing hymns. They're with their brothers and their sisters. And when they're, when they're there and they're gathered together and Jesus is there with them, they're, they're emboldened in his presence and they're making promises. Jesus, I'll never leave you. Jesus, I'm going to live my life for you, right? Doesn't this sound kind of like us? But the moment that they walk away from that and the moment that we step away from here at times, because we haven't prioritized God's presence, all of a sudden, Monday happens, yes. Tuesday happens, and before you know it, we find ourselves distant from God. We're distant from God. And look at what, what, what it said here. Let's read it again in Luke. Back to Luke really quick. I know I'm skipping around here, but it's all the same story. Back to Luke 54. This is what it said, 2254. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. Peter followed at a distance. Check this out. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. Before you know it, if you don't prioritize God's presence in your life, you'll begin to be distant from God. And before you know it, you'll literally be sitting at the fire with the enemy. Peter was sitting at the fire with the enemy. He was distant from God. You guys, this is the most important thing. And I will probably preach just every message that I preach. So just get used to it. It's all about his presence. This, this life, living a life for God, it's not rocket science, you guys. It's not like you have to go to the end of the earth to seek this, like, this, this amazing word that's going to change everything. No, it's just prioritize his presence in your life. Make him number one. Prioritize the word of God in your life. It's going to start with discipline, but discipline will turn to desire. Yeah. 
and desire will turn to delight. You guys, I delight in God's word right now. We were at the, we were at the table last night and we were with our kids and we were just playing this game that we just made up last night. Like, what, what is, what, what is uh, my favorite color? What is this? And then I asked them, what's my favorite time of the day? And they knew in the morning with Jesus is your favorite time of the day. Cause it is, it's my favorite time. I love to get up and just spend time with Jesus because not only do I love it, it's turned into this delight in my life. It didn't start that way. No, it started with me knowing that I'm going to die literally if I don't do this. And I had to force myself, force myself. But before you know it, all of a sudden, man, I'm in the presence of God and I'm just receiving revelation from him. And it's just this amazing thing being in God's word. So we have to prioritize God's presence. The first point is Peter followed him at a distance. Before you knew it, he was literally sitting at the fire with the enemy. The second point that I want to make is this, that Peter's faith was affected by what he saw with his physical eyes. There's a difference, right? Peter's faith was affected by what he saw. You want to know why I know this? Because if you look at verse 61, it says that the moment that Jesus locked eyes back with Peter, everything hit Peter again. Right? Since the moment that Jesus looked at Peter and Peter caught eyes with him, he remembered everything at that moment. So up until that moment, Peter's gaze was stolen by everything else that was going on and his faith was affected because of it, right? This is what Jeremy was saying just earlier. And I was like, man, Jeremy's all up in the sermon today, man. This is, this is awesome. We can't allow the things that we see to steal our gaze from the one that really matters. See, there was the enemy all around. I read, I read something in, in some of the, the, the books that, that said that there were upwards of 600 guards in and around that area when they were arresting Jesus. And P- you can't tell me Peter didn't see that and he was afraid. Fear was, was gripping him in that moment, right? He saw them beginning to beat Jesus and, and, and just treat him horribly. And because of what Peter saw with his physical eyes, his faith was affected by that. This reminds me of when Peter walked on water, right? When, when, earlier in the gospels where, where Jesus had just fed the 5,000 people, right? He just did this, this great miracle and, and Jesus instructs the disciples to, to cross over to the other side of the lake and then he'll meet him there. And then what happens is in the middle of the night, they're roaring and this, this crazy storm breaks out. And they're afraid for their lives, right? They, they, can't, they can't make it and they're about to sink, right? And what happens is Jesus comes walking out to them on the water, right? And at first they're frightened by that. They think he's a ghost or something. But he, he tells them, don't be afraid. It's me. Don't be afraid. It's me. And then who, who speaks out? It's Peter, right? Of course. And he says, Lord, if that's really you, call me out to you. And Peter, emboldened in the presence of Jesus, Jesus says, come on, Peter. And what does he do? He steps out of the boat and he locks eyes with Jesus and he begins to walk. He begins to walk on the water and he's focused on Jesus. He's walking on the water. And most of you know this story. Then all of a sudden, 
Peter notices the strong winds and the waves and the storm that they're in. And he allows that to steal his gaze. And the moment that he turns and notices everything that's going on, he begins to sink. You see, you guys got to get this. The enemy's, one of the enemy's primary job is to distract you from what really matters. He's going to throw every temptation your way because his, 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 his objective is to steal your gaze because once you start to look at what's happening around you, you're not focused on the one that really matters. And then you begin to fall back. You begin to sink, right? So here's the thing. Some of us, some of us are, are, we handle temptation well, but some of us don't handle trials and tribulation very well. Yeah, I could be tempted by this and that, but I know, Lord, I'm just going to be focused on you. And if I'm focused on you, I don't have to worry so much about these temptations in this world. But the moment that a trial hits, the moment that you enter into a season where, where God is testing you, that's the moment where everything begins to steal your gaze and you begin to be distant from God. You begin to sink, right? Some of us, it's, it's flip-flop. The moment a trial hits, we know, man, Lord, you are the source of my strength. I know I'm, I'm, I'm in a season of lack right now. I know that I'm going through this right now, Lord God, but I trust you, God. But then the moment that there's temptations around us, those things steal our gaze. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about, about temptation. I love to fish. Does anybody else love to fish? I love, I've been fishing my whole life. My, my whole family are just big fishermen and fisherwomen, I guess. And uh, I love to fish, right? And here's the thing, and I'm, I'm not, not bragging, but I'm a pretty good fisherman. I catch fish. I don't just go fishing. I catch fish, right? And here's, here's the thing about fishing is, is to be a good fisherman, number one, you have to know the species of fish that you're targeting. Because depending on what fish you're fishing for, you're going to use different bait. You're going to use different lures. If you're fly fishing, you got to know all kinds of different stuff, the hatch and what, uh, there's so, so much to it, right? But you, you know what works because you've caught those fish before. And see, Satan knows the same thing. He's studied your life and he knows what has worked in the past. And don't you think what, it, what has worked for you, he's going to pull that out of his tackle box. He has the biggest tackle box. He's got like the Bass Pro Shop warehouse. You know, he's, he's able to, to pull whatever he wants out. And he knows what has worked on you. And he's going to tempt you. What, what, is, what tempts Miguel may not tempt me. And he knows that. He's not stupid. So here's the thing. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, to focus your eyes on Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. Because we know this, just like Peter, when Peter was walking on the water, when he was focused on Jesus, everything was fine. But the minute that the the trials and everything that were happening, the storm that they were in stole his gaze the minute that he began to sink. So the Bible says that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I love what the Amplified Version says here. It says, it says, Looking away from all that will distract us, fix our eyes on Jesus. The NLT version 
I don't have it pulled up, but it, it says something like this. It says, keeping, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. That's right. Come on. Where's Brother Al at? Where's he at? There he is. Look at that shirt that Brother Al's got on. Undefeated. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's who we serve. We serve a God that is undefeated. We serve a God that never fails. We serve a God that never loses. We serve a God that has already won the victory for you. Jesus, the champion, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. So, so, so back to Luke. Okay. It says at the moment, the moment that Jesus turned and looked at Peter, the moment that they, that they locked eyes again is when everything hit Peter. And that's when Peter's spiritual sight was all of a sudden restored in that moment. Right? So Peter was affected by what he saw with his physical eyes. He was looking through his physical eyes. He wasn't looking through his spiritual eyes. One of, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6 is, is about the prophet Elisha. And there's a king that's, that's out to kill the prophet Elisha. Okay, I'm just going to summarize this really quick. And, and the prophet Elijah and, and his servant, they find themselves in this village. And all of a sudden, one morning, the servant wakes up and he goes out the door and he looks and he sees that there is the king's army all around surrounding them. And he comes running back in and he says, Elisha, Elisha, they're here. We're surrounded. The enemy is surrounding us. And listen to Elisha's response. He says, Oh, but you got to know this, that there are more for us than against us. And listen to what he does in this moment. Elisha prays to God. Oh, you guys got to get this. This is, this is powerful. He prays to God in that moment for his servant. And he says, Oh Lord, would you open his eyes? Would you open his eyes so he can see? And look what happens. The servant goes back outside. And the enemy's army is still there, but it says he looks up and he sees in the hills that there are chariots of fire surrounding them. That's where we get that song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. There's more for me than against me. And there's going to be times in your life where you open your eyes and you see the enemy around. We can't deny it. We go through things. It's life. We go through trials. We go through tribulations. We're going to be tempted. But we have to be able to see with our spiritual eyes. And in that moment, I pray you would say, oh, Lord, would you open up my spiritual eyes? God, I feel the weight of of my problems. I feel the weight of my issues. I feel the weight of my troubles, God. I feel the temptation all around me, Lord God. But, But, Lord, let me not focus on that. Let me focus on you like it says in your word, Jesus, because you are the author. You're the perfecter. You're the initiator. You're the beginning and the end of my faith. So I have to keep my eyes locked on you because if I could do that, then everything else fades away. It doesn't disappear. Still there. But as far as you're concerned, because you're locked on the one that matters, these things are, are, they're not affecting you like they would. So number one, Peter followed him at a distance. Number two, his faith was affected by what he saw with his physical eyes. But then he remembers Jesus's words. The moment that he locks eyes with Jesus, he remembers his words. And this takes me to the third point in this story. 
is that Peter wasn't standing on the word. He wasn't standing on God's promise. Jesus had been telling them. Jesus had been preparing them for this moment. Jesus knew that they would fall short. But, but nonetheless, he had been telling them, preparing them just the, just the night before, breaking bread with them. He let them know, listen, this is about to happen. It's necessary. This is about to happen. And for whatever reason, in that moment when, when the disciples could have stood on the word, could have stood on the promise, they, they chose not to and they deserted him. You guys, this is why every Sunday morning we pray the word of God. The promise of your life is found in here. There's so many promises of God in here that you can stand on. That you can stand on. When the going gets tough, you take the word and you stand on the word. When you're up in the middle of the night, you open up the word and you say, Lord, you are my strength and my shield. Lord, you're my strength and my shield. I could cast all my cares upon you because you care for me, Lord. Lord, I could, I could find myself in perfect peace because that's what your word said. You are the prince of peace. Lord, I, I, bring all, I bring everything to you, God. I lift it all to you, God. Because you'll give me peace, Lord. A peace that goes beyond my, my understanding, Lord. That peace that will guard my heart and guard my mind, Lord. Right now, I need your peace to guard my heart and guard my mind. I can't sleep. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about next week. I'm thinking about what I did last week. Lord God, I, 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 I need your peace right now, Lord. I can stand on your word. I can stand on your promise. We have to be able to stand on God's word. But just like going to the bank, how are you going to pull anything out of the bank if you haven't deposited anything into the bank? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will pull things out of you in the right time. This has been New Hope Radio, a ministry of New Hope Christian Fellowship. You're invited to worship with them at 22110 Montgomery Street in Hayward. Services are held Sundays at 10 a.m. For other service times and more information, see New Hope Christian Fellowship online at nhcfonline.org. That's nhcfonline.org. Join us next week at this time for New Hope Radio here on AM 1100 KFAX.